0: Now, hear me correctly. Understand the impact to you, (laughs) not anybody else, but to you. Sometimes we stay in situations that we know we don't wanna be in because we're worried about the impact that it'll have on others. What if we leave? There's nobody else to do this. But here's the thing, you're the only one that matters. Do you wanna disrupt the myths and redefine the narrative of what it means to thrive in midlife? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Midlife Revival, the podcast that's all about celebrating the power and resilience of you in midlife. I'm your host, Dr. Taniqua Miller, board-certified OBGYN with expertise in menopausal care and life coach for your midlife journey. My mission is simple, to walk with you through the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of your midlife journey. We will navigate the changes, embrace the challenges, and discover what it means to have infinite possibilities. Get ready for candid conversations, expert insights, and a whole lot of fierce determination. This is Midlife Revival, the podcast that's here to disrupt stereotypes, elevate your midlife game, and celebrate the journey like never before. So sit back. Pour up some tea because we're about to unapologetically flip the script on what it means to thrive in midlife. Hey, 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 this is Dr. Taniqua and welcome back to Midlife Revival, the podcast that's all about inspiring you to live again. Use this midlife journey as your opportunity to to level up your midlife game. And I'm really excited for this episode because I'm going to give you a little bit of how I've been getting through in my midlife journey, which is through learning my quit formula. So when I say quit, a lot of things come up for us. We bring all our baggage to this idea of what it means to quit. We all grew up with this notion that quitting is bad and that quitters never win. And I am hoping to turn that on its head. So really excited to jump in. But... Wanted to bring you back to where many of you, if you've been following the podcast or following me on social, know my story, right? So I'm a double Ivy League trainee, trained, like board-certified OBGYN. And until recently, I was in academic medicine for over 14 years. And I would say that my passions really centered around medical students and resident trainees and all of the work that I was doing there. But in the Spring of 2022, I found myself behind the wheel of my minivan, and I literally was boo-hoo, sobbing, snotty-nosed, like when your kid can't catch his or her breath, right? I had just come from this meeting where I was told that my language wasn't inclusive enough. At the time, I was chair of my departmental committee for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it was a the committee that I was super proud to lead, And instead of applauding my efforts and our recent successful recruitment, I was literally asked why I didn't focus on other groups and was really just receiving lots of criticism. So to say that I was pissed is an understatement because I felt like I had worked so hard and brought so much passion to what I was doing. And I will tell you, I was raging on the inside, but ever aware of being labeled angry, I kept my composure And when I got back into my car, I started sobbing. (laughs) This had been building up for quite some time. I tried to like MacGyver my way through some of the frustrations that I had been experiencing. But I always wanted to look on the bright side, you know, all that toxic positivity. (laughs) But that's where the cracks kind of showed. And the rage and the anger and the resentment that I had been feeling for months literally erupted. And so I had a colleague that called me because she saw me that day and she was like, since you are burnt out, you need a break. And that is how I ended up going on my four-week medical leave for burnout and anxiety. So I want to say that the beginning of my break was all magical and restful, but it wasn't. (laughs) I felt ashamed and admitting that I needed a break and Every time I looked up, I would see things that t- told me that I needed to be more resilient and that I had to fix myself and that the environment that I was in that I felt was literally harming me was like off the hook. And I didn't buy any of it, honestly. I am a first generation woman. I have come overcome a lot in my life. And so being kind of the first Shana Rhimes coins it, the first only different. It requires a sense of grit and a sense of self. And I felt like I had that. And so I was angry. I was angry that I was being called that to be more resilient, even though I felt like I was already resilient. What was interesting is that I started asking myself questions like, what is your purpose in this world? What brings you joy? What are you doing to live in your strengths? And then I started listing out all of the busy work I was doing. And all of us have busy works, right? Like all of us. And if you're listening to this podcast and you want to know what revival looks like in midlife, I know (laughs) that you have a lot of busy work that you're doing and you have no idea why you're doing it. And I just like started listing out all the committees that I was on because I thought that that's what I needed to get promoted, but I really didn't care about any of it. I started listing out all of these leadership positions that I had taken on that were hurting me. And literally as I was doing this, a light bulb went off for me and it, and I realized that I needed to quit. And so that's what I started to do. And it went against everything that I've been taught, but there was something beautiful in being able to say that I didn't need these things for validation. I didn't need these things in my life. And so I started quitting and from that came my quit formula, which I'm going to talk about on the podcast today. And so everything that I did was measured up by this formula. And I just started quitting all over the place. (laughs) I started writing resignation letters. I started like doing all of this stuff. And a funny thing happened, like the weight literally lifted. And it felt as though I was like bucking a system that kept me confined to a box. And I feel like when you hit midlife, we hear things like midlife crisis and things like that. I really think it's, it's that inner desire to break out of the box a little bit and do something that is a little bit different. And so I want to take you through what it means to quit. And I know you're a little skeptical of me right now (laughs) because I'm committed to this idea of quitting. In fact, I quit my whole long-term position in academic medicine in February of 2023. So when I say I took quitting seriously, I took it seriously, y'all. But I'm offering this for you because I don't want it to be a secret. I want all of us to have the opportunity to really weigh all of the decisions that we're making through this QUIT formula. And I know for sure that it's all about centering you and celebrating your needs, centering your purpose, your goals, and not taking into account anything else. So let's get into it. So QUIT is an acronym. Q-U-I-T. Q is question. U is understand. I is intuition and T is take action. If you're driving, think about this. Maybe you need to leave yourself a voice memo for this episode. Or if you're listening and you're at a desk and you have paper, I want you to write this down. I want you to, just for the next like minute or two, write down everything that you think you need to quit. And we're going to run it through this quit formula because there's so many things that we're doing that's keeping us busy, but keeping us from our purpose. And busy is not purpose. Straight up. Busy is just you trying to stay relevant, but not you living in your purpose. So Q in the quit formula. That stands for question. And this first step, I really want you to get honest with yourself. Anytime you're asked to do something and you're taking things on, I want you to ask question, why are you doing this? Sometimes we sign up for things with the best of intentions, but when we search really deeply for the answer for why we keep ourselves busy, we find that the answer is really not in truly in service to ourselves. So there were lots of things that I would do and I'll give you, I, look, I, I will put myself out there 100%. This is my example. So I'm a busy physician mom and I also have a busy physician husband. And to say that my house is actually like a circus is an understatement. I have three children in three different schools and I felt like I couldn't keep up. And, you know, an opportunity presented itself to sit on the PTA. Now, I had been on the PTA in the past. I had served as secretary. I served on one of the neighborhoods, what we call SLT. And I did some secretary work there. And if you're a PTA person, you know, it's real. Like if you are a parent and you in the PTA, you can get really busy. But honestly, when I was asked to sit on the PTA for one of my other children's schools, it wasn't a good time, honestly. And guess what I did anyway? <laughs> I signed up for the PTA. And even though I felt like my role was small, I still had this commitment. And I will tell you every time that they reached out To me, to do my job, nothing special, but to do my job, I felt super annoyed. And so I put my PTA role through the quit formula and I questioned why was I doing this? And I had to sit in some vulnerability, to be honest with you. And it was clear to me that I took on this role because I was feeling guilty about working so much. I was at a really busy time in my career that I was working so much. And I felt like if I formally signed up for the role of the PTA, that I can at least feel like I was doing something for my children. I had major mommy guilt, y'all. It wasn't because I felt so compelled to lead the PTA. No, (laughs) I was guilting myself into doing it because I felt like I wasn't showing up as the mom I wanted to be. So let's just say that my role in the PTA did not last long because I found other meaningful ways to connect with my children that didn't involve the PTA. So take a look at your list. I want you to put one of those items through the first step of the quit formula. This is gonna require you to be honest and vulnerable. But question yourself, why are you truly hanging on to that item? All right, so the next one is you. You stands for understand. Understand the impact to you if you were to stay or leave that situation. Now, hear me correctly. Understand the impact to you. (laughs) Not anybody else, but to you. Sometimes we stay in situations that we know we don't want to be in because we're worried about the impact that it'll have on others. What if we leave? There's nobody else to do this. But here's the thing. You're the only one that matters. I think of like the airline industry, that if you're on a plane and the face mask comes down, right? What are you supposed to do? You can complete this, right? You're supposed to put on your mask first. If you're struggling for air, you're not good to anybody. In fact, in those airplane situations, it's for good reason, because if you're helping somebody else and that cabin pressure drops to the point that you can't get oxygen, you're out. (laughs) So put on your mask first before you help somebody else. And if you don't put on your mask first, you won't be good to anybody else. You have to take care of yourself first. And so I get it. We've been groomed by a system that tells us that we are our, our self-worth is based on external validation, and our value is set by others. But when you start turning the mirror to yourself first, you realize that all of that external validation and all of those accolades or living for the expectations of others are all illusions. If you are burnt out, What does it matter if you stay because the members of the team think that you should be where you are, right? Or that you'll let them down. You'll be letting yourself down. When I was in the throes of burnout, I made the difficult decision to actually step down from my role as the chair of the committee that I love to serve. Then I felt like I had to go into battle each and every time I had a meeting. So I, I fully understood that if I stayed in that role, I would not make it and that my chest would ache during those meetings, and my anxiety would stay high. And frankly, how could I serve anyone under those circumstances? So I ended up quitting. And guess what? No one stepped in to fill the void, but that wasn't my issue either. It's important for you to understand the impact to you if you stay or if you go. By doing this, you are centering yourself and your needs. And that, frankly, is an act of bravery and courage and love to yourself. All right. Now the I. The I stands for intuition. So it's not a verb, but let's just think about it. Being firm in your self-trust, in your intuition, it's that inner voice. But for the the people in the back... (laughs) That intuition is that feeling of the hair standing up the back of your neck, right? Because something feels off or it's that sense of relief and ease when you make a good decision. We all have intuition. But unfortunately, as women and as women of color, we are told very early not to trust our intuition. And it's true. We are literally told from a very early age not to trust ourselves. So think about it. When was the first time, think about it, the age where you heard little girls should be seen and not heard or something to that effect? Early, early. Some would argue that our earliest versions of ourselves are our truest versions. We say what we want. We do what we want. I have a six-year-old and he just does what he wants, right? But very quickly, we are told to silence that voice. I'll give you an example about this six-year-old of mine. One day, I asked him to take a ride with me to go pick up his siblings from after school. And he literally looked me square in the face and said, no. (laughs) So here I was saying, you sure you don't want to go with mommy, take a car ride? And I'm asking, at the time he was five, but I'm asking a five-year-old this. And he literally turned to me and smiled and said, I love you, but I don't want to go with you. I want to stay here and watch TV. And he was so certain that that's what he wanted to do. And I could have asked him to put on his shoes and get in the car and ignore what it is that he wanted in his voice saying, no, we want to stay and watch TV. But I had to let him be who he was. I remember trying something similar with my 11-year-old daughter. She wrinkled up her nose and she begrudgingly said to me, okay, sure, mama. And I asked her, you don't want to go with me, do you? And she said, no, not really. But she had been conditioned by that age to kind of go along with others required of her as opposed to what she wanted to do. Now, there's some things that we have to push our children for. And I'm giving examples about my children. But I think that this is like speaking to ourselves a little bit. And I'm going to bring it to that. How many times have you asked for a prayer and you say, oh, please, God, or higher being or spirit or whoever, right, to give me this thing that I want or that I think I want. And then the thing presents itself. (laughs) and then we're like, oh, send me a sign, and then the sign comes, and we still don't act on it, right? We tend to intellectualize our decisions, and we override our intuition all of the time. Sometimes we get the sign, and we do the exact opposite anyway, and I know I'm not the only one. So remember that role that I told you about, that DI role that I eventually quit? I literally remember struggling to write my interest letter for this role. And I remember saying to myself, I don't want to do this, like literally out loud to myself. But then that was immediately followed, but it would help me do this. Then I could be a leader, la, 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 la. And me ignoring my intuition, like got me behind the wheel of my car with roaring anxiety. So that wasn't a really good decision. But what I'm saying is I want you to spend some time with your inner voice. Sometimes we don't We don't like to be quiet and we don't like to hear what our intuition may be telling us, but commit yourself maybe to even 10 minutes a day, either in your car or on your way home to work, you could take the radio off and just sit with your thoughts. I personally use this full focus planner and I start out my day like just 10 minutes, like mapping out what the day is going to look like. And I take notes. It has a nice little note section. And I take notes just on what comes up for me. And I listen and I quiet my mind and I lean into that intuition. That literally happened for me today. After I finished working out, I was just quiet thinking about the launch of my telemedicine business and the ideas started coming to me of like what the best next thing should be in my business. And so it's pretty powerful once you start listening. And then finally, I want you to take action. Yes. You have to do something with this, right? It's all well and good to go through the quit formula and get your answer. But then you have to act on it. Taking action doesn't mean quitting your job. It's so funny because anytime I talk about this, my husband's always in the background like, please don't be out here telling these folks to quit their old job, all right? You gonna pay their bills? That's not what I'm saying. Yes, you're going to need a plan for that. But ultimately, that was the decision that I made to pursue coaching and now to start my consulting work and my telemedicine practice. I wanted to be more present with my children and I wanted to do something. And so I had to plan for the ultimate quit. But in the meantime, I started doing little things of quitting. I I knew that I wanted to free up some time and space, mental space in my life, because there were things that I was doing that was robbing me of energy. And I wanted to really focus on my purpose, which was really serving people in the midlife transition. And so why do I want you to take action? Why is the quit formula capped with the T, which is take action? Number one taking action sends a new story to your brain about what is your potential, what is possible for you. And then two, that new narrative builds the new belief about who you are. I am in a coaching school and my coach, she's all about that. You can change the belief of who you are through action. And there are tools that she taught me as one of her clients to help me do that in my own life, but then also for my own clients. And so that is why I want you to take action. We always say that your primitive brain, and in our coaching community, we call her a cave woman, shout out to Dr. Kimmy, is screaming and telling you not to listen to me, (laughs) telling you this doctor has no idea what she's talking about, but I am telling you who is this person? This is that primitive part of your brain that's seeking out the negative in the environment and wanting just to keep you safe. It is that part of the brain that kept you in the cave when you had danger lurking outside and is your fight or flight. Freeze and some would even add fawn part of your nervous system. And so it's supposed to keep you safe. So when you think of doing a crazy thing like quitting, whether that's quitting your job or quitting a committee or quitting a responsibility or whatever it is, that part of your brain will start acting up because it wants to keep you safe and it wants to keep you in a place of comfort. And all you know how to do right now is be busy. And so, how do you overcome that? You take action, you do it scared and you start to send a new narrative to your brain and you reset the impossible for your cave woman by doing something possible. It's so great because one of my early career coaches, she would always ask me, what's your worst-case scenario? And sometimes we catastrophize in our head, what would happen if we decided to step outside the box a little bit? But when you really sit with it and you start writing out what's your worst-case scenario, you realize that life's not that bad. <laughs> Right? You realize that by letting go of something, you will still have food to eat. You will still have family that loves you. You will still have a roof over your head. There are so many things that our brain will try to trick us into staying where we are when really we need to like start letting go of things that no longer serve us. So you write the email resigning from that role. And then maybe you put it in your drafts folder, or maybe you send it. You tell the obnoxious and toxic friend that you need space. You say, hey, I'm not available right now. You don't answer your sibling's call because you don't want to hear about the drama. And yes, a lot of this is hard, but this is about you becoming unapologetic about your boundaries and quitting. And by doing so, you are now sending your brain a new narrative about who you are and what you will tolerate. It can be pretty powerful. So for me, I took action and I took big action I resigned from all of the busy work and I used this newfound time by investing in myself. So first I invested in like a speaking coaching program. Shout out to my coach, Jasmine Haley, who is incredible. I started traveling to speak, right? To talk to people about my journey through burnout and really provide hope through my journey and the steps that I took to relieve myself through burnout. I joined a coaching program where I felt equipped to really serve my clients by honing in skills of coaching and being able to transform lives. And and now I get to schlep, I get to schlep the kids. (laughs) I would say that as my kids got older, it's been, they need me more. And now I get to schlep, I get to take them to school. I get to show up to the daytime events, which so hard. I get to have a little bit of that flexibility while building out all of my entrepreneurial passions at this time. So when I quit my job, the world didn't fall apart. When I quit that committee, my world didn't fall apart. In fact, it opened up some space to do things that I wanted to do. My life literally didn't shatter, right? I created a plan and I stepped into this new phase of greatness. And that is available to each and every one of you. And it really was in service to this boundless life that I wanted to live. So look at that list. Look at all of the things on that list about quitting and all of the things that you want to do to quit. And I want you to run it through the quit formula, Q meaning to question why you're doing what you're doing. You understand the impact to you, nobody else, but to you, if you do the thing or don't, lean into your I intuition and T take action. So I want you to go through that list. You'll have it available. I know for sure that you will find usefulness, especially as you're going through midlife and things are just changing. What used to work for you in your 20s and in your 30s just ain't cutting it in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. We have to make some decisions, realizing that any yes that we say yes to is a no somewhere else. And we want to save those yeses for the things that really bring us joy, that really serve us that really allow us to be our best selves and live those boundless lives that we want to live. All right, y'all, that's the quit formula. Post, Keep a post-it note. <laughs> Anytime you have a decision that you need to make, run it through the formula. And I promise it will not steer you wrong. So excited that I got to share that with you. And if anything comes up for you, you know where to reach me at hello at Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Midlife Revival, the podcast that celebrates the beautiful Midlife journey that is you. I'm your host, Dr. Tiniqua. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, go ahead and hit subscribe and give us a little bit of those five stars that we love so much and share this episode with a friend you know who needs to hear this message because sharing is caring. Catch you for the next one.